I used to know a couple who lived in a house that had a security system that was impressive. So impressive, in fact, that if you saw it, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, there were motion sensors, there were lasers, there were pressure pads, there were all sorts of reinforced doors. But the best part of the security system was upstairs in the bedrooms. Uh, it was five, six bedrooms, I bet. It was created as a vault. It was all built out of steel and cinder block. And there was a door that was a hidden door in the wall that was a bank vault quality door that would shut with massive deadbolting locks going through to, to secure it. And the people had this because they were extremely wealthy and extremely famous and there were concerns their security had told them about their kids being kidnapped for ransom. And I remember sitting in that house walking through because I, I knew actually this is where you know, I let you know I'm not as wealthy as I want to be. I actually am in Christ. I'm not going to digress there. We lived on the estate next door and were friends with the people that lived in the, the carriage house on that property. So I got the tours behind the scenes when the, the people were away. And it was amazing. It was the safest, most secure home I've ever seen in my life as a residential property. How secure is your house? Anybody have a, a safe room, vaulted bedrooms, fire retardant structures so that people try to kidnap your kids? If you want mine, you can go get them and run. But the question really isn't how secure is your house? The question is how secure is your life? Or said another way, how secure is your eternity? Is it fireproof? Is it foolproof? Is it guaranteed? That's what we're going to look at today in our text. And whether you're saved or not, what a wonderful reminder of who God is, what Christ has done, and who we can be in Christ. So I'm in Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the what? Doers of the law will be, who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve of what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you're sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach who? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law, for as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is a value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, Will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. This is the word of our Lord.
It's a big section for today, huh? Look at the, the first part there. What's, what's the first title on your, uh, on your bulletin? Relativism. No such thing as absolute truth. It's called relativism, rationalism. It carries different names. There's no such thing as absolute truth. This is a culture we live in. Do you know the only problem with someone who says there's no such thing as absolute truth? You say, are you absolutely sure about that? I am, thank you. What happens if what's true for you is true for you and what's true for me is true for me? What happens when my truth calls your truth a lie? Is it still true? Think about that. You're like, dude, that's over my head. It's over my head for a while too. But look at these first few verses, and it's talking about the Gentiles. It's talking about people who live as rationalists, who say truth is relative. But look what it says in verse 14 and 15. It says truth is not relative. God's law is written on their heart, and they know it's written on their heart, and you can tell it's written on their heart. They try to distort truth or water down truth or ignore truth. But, but let me ask this question. Does anyone here believe that torturing small children for fun is acceptable? Is that just your opinion? Do you think any culture around the world that would say torturing small children for fun is okay is acceptable? Do you know why we know that's wrong? Because truth is not relative. God has written at least parts of his truth, parts of his law on the hearts of all people. I'm just summarizing what the Bible says for you here. I'm not, I'm not giving you my opinion. Hope you don't want my opinion. But then he goes to the Jews, the focus of this text, the moralists, the legalists, and he says, you have the law? You're taught in the law, you approve of the law, you instruct people in the law, and yet you steal, commit adultery, and you rob temples. You are moral hypocrites. So do we have any rationalists here, people who distort truth, ignore truth? Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, because we all kind of do, don't we? Did the Jews really rob temples? This is where I find out if anybody's awake with me today. Did the Jews ever rob temples? Evelyn say, robustly say, yes. Louder. Yes. See how smart she is? How do you know that, Evelyn? Say, I read Matthew. read Matthew. She read Matthew, and in Matthew, doesn't Jesus go to the temple and cleanse the temple? And he, he throws the tables, and he says, you have made my father's house a den of thieves. Woo, they really did rob? Did they ever commit adultery and idolatry? Evelyn says, sure they did. Because Evelyn told me you could read Matthew 5 through 7, and it talks all about that. Evelyn is just dominating today. The Jews who had the law and improved of the law, accepted the law, were instructed in the law, and instructed others in the law, failed to keep the law. So Paul's talking to a bunch of, of truth deniers, truth distorters, gospel water downers, and he says, come on, God's going to judge you by the standard that you judge others. You say, Pastor, where do you get that? Thanks, Mia. Verse 14 and 15. Francis Schaeffer calls it the hidden microphone verse. It's God hangs a microphone around your neck. It's invisible. You don't know it's there. And by the standard you judge other people, the standard you hold them to, if God judged you by that standard, you would be condemned. The Jews went by God's standard, but they didn't apply it to themselves. Now, don't look down on Jews. You know why? Is anyone saved here? Yep. I'm hoping half far and half far. That's a, that's a pastor's delight. But if you're saved, do you want to know what you are? You're a Jew. You're a Jew. 
You know, so, so Paul's not knocking the Jews. Paul was a Jew. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. I'm a Jew by birth. You're an adopted Jew, so you know the difference between me and you? We'll wait till next week. We'll get into that. But if you're saved, you are a Jew. But at times, the Jews were moral hypocrites. What do you do? Listen, listen. has anyone here ever robbed God or stolen from God? You know the best way, the, the way most people approach this? Tithing. Does anyone give regularly, generously, and sacrificially constantly? Follow me to the box. I'm kidding. <laughs> Does anyone do that all the time? See, I could be the good Jew here. Let me show you what to do, but I don't have my wallet, unfortunately. But the main issue isn't finances. Listen, we've all robbed from God financially. You ever rob God glory? Romans 1.5, we're saved to the obedience of the faith for his name's sake. Have you ever failed to obey God for his glory? You've robbed God of his glory, you thief. You hypocrite. Have you ever read Matthew 5 or 7, 5 through 7 chapters? You're adulterers, you're idolaters. You ever afraid of anything? Do you know why? Because you worship a false god. Welcome to God's Grace Bible Church where we knock you down and leave you down. No. What do you do with all this? You ready for the upturn? You want, you want the good news? Paul's been beating bad news. Week after week, you stink, you stink, you stink, you stink, because if you don't know how much you stink, you can't know how great Christ smells. Until you understand depravity and the depths of despair, you cannot understand the joy of salvation in Christ. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. You stink, he's awesome, he saves. Paul beats you down to lift you up, and look what he says. Listen, you moral hypocrites. Yeah, me too. You, you relativists, you truth distorters. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'll show you how in a little bit. Do you know what you do if you're a moral relativist or a truth distorter? Go get yourself circumcised. So today in Sunday school, we're doing circumcisions. Come on down. Do you know that the only way to be saved is circumcision? Do you know what circumcision is? I mean, I don't mean literally. I assume you know what it is. Biblically, do you know why circumcision? It's a sign of destruction. I'll let you in your own time read Genesis 15 to 17. But God had Abraham cut a covenant with him. And he took these animals and he cut them in half and he spread them out. And God went between the animals as a sign of sealing the covenant. And what it means is, if you break the terms of my covenant, may you be like these animals torn apart, ripped off, separated from me is what God is saying. Circumcision is a sign of destruction by not keeping the covenant. The terms of the covenant in Genesis 17 are you must be perfect as God is perfect. You want to go get circumcised? So why were the Jews circumcising themselves? Well, God commanded it. But did circumcision save? I don't know. What did we say? Outward circumcision doesn't matter. What matters? A circumcision of the? Well, I mean... Outward circumcision, if you do it past day eight, is fairly traumatic to the individual. My grandpa was circumcised at the age of 40 on a Navy vessel at sea in a storm. He remembers it well. <laughs> How do you circumcise your heart? Was Jesus circumcised? Yes. Are you sure, Jim? Say yes. How do you know, Jim? Say Luke chapter 2. On the eighth day, according to the law, he was circumcised. 
Do you know how many times he was circumcised? Jim? Jim says once. You know what I say to Jim? He's dead wrong. How many times was Jesus circumcised? Colossians 2. Verse 11, in him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Watch this. This is beautiful. This is where the text goes. On day eight, Jesus was circumcised according to the law. On Good Friday, he was circumcised on the cross for a second time so that you might never have to be circumcised for all of eternity from God. He was separated. He was cut off. He was removed from fellowship with the Father because you rationalists and moral hypocrites couldn't keep the terms of the Abrahamic covenant, which you must. Jesus Christ was circumcised two times so that you might live for all of eternity and be circumcised perfectly by grace through faith. Do you see how marvelous this is? He who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. Listen, are there any good people here? Don't put your hand up. Are there any people who love God as they ought to love God? Don't put your hand up. Do you love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? No, you don't. But Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you perfectly. Jesus kept the law perfectly so that if you trust in him by grace through faith for salvation, you have been circumcised with Christ. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little worked up here. This is pretty exciting stuff. Do you hear what I'm saying? You, you are good for nothing truth distorters. How do I know? Remember two, three weeks ago? We talked about homosexuality. Pastor, don't bring that up again. That's dangerous stuff. Oh, it's dangerous if you mess it up. Is, is same-sex marriage okay? Well, why, why is it not okay? Does it offend you, Cheryl, personally? Is that why it's not okay? I know she says no. It's, a, it's not okay because my man Rich over here said it's not okay, right? It's personally offensive to Rich, so it's wrong for you. No. God says it's wrong. It's offensive, isn't it? God's truth offends. And if God's truth hasn't offended you, you probably haven't heard God's truth. Because you all, we all, I do, try to distort it to fit into what we want. You know who's the biggest hypocrite here today? Well, I'm saying me, because I'm preaching God's word to you, and I'm fighting like a dog to obey it and struggling along the way. That makes me a hypocrite. That makes me a moral hypocrite. And I'm so glad God doesn't save me through my moral hypocrisy. I'm so glad he doesn't ignore the fact that I distort the truth at times, but he's growing me into his image, and I have been circumcised by Christ. Do you understand what that means? You will not be cut off if you trust in Christ alone for salvation. Do you see how marvelous this is? You, you, you stink far worse than you can realize. But in Christ, you are far more valuable, far more worthy, far more excellent, far more cared for, far more protected, far more provided for than your feeble little mind can grasp. And I know because I got a feeble little mind. But why would Jesus choose to keep the terms of the covenant on our behalf? Because God's not fair. God so loved the world. Did you know this? That whoever believes in him 
would not perish, but would have eternal life. Well, what does God demand? Perfection. Who's the only perfect person you know? I'll see if you guys were awake three weeks ago. Are there any straight people here? We all bent crooked, ain't we? The only straight man who ever lived was named Yeshua. His name was Joshua in the, in the Hebrew. His name is Jesus in the Greek. And I call him friend because he saved me. He came to make bent people straight and bend us towards God. And nobody gets right with God because you're straight. Listen, my friends, as you engage with a lost world or relativists, Rejoice in the fact that they know there's absolute truth and you can absolutely share the truth because God saves people by the truth. His word is truth. Amen? Amen. And in the world, there are moral hypocrites and I know them pretty well. And we can go and tell people, you are a hypocrite, but Jesus came to save hypocrites because he's the only man who fully lived a fully human life. Amen? And the only thing you can do is be separated from God by your works. Huh. That's what you merit, death and eternal condemnation. But you didn't know Jesus was circumcised twice, did you? Once on the eighth day, according to Luke 2, and then I get to the end of the gospel and I get to Colossians, and he was circumcised on that cross, cut off from God, so we might live with God forever. Now, now, now let me sit back and chill out here for a minute. We might live with God forever. Does anyone here, listen, I'm being serious. Anyone here crave a true friend? Anyone here crave a a relationship that's eternally secure? Anyone here want a security system that cannot be broken or penetrated or fail? Nobody but me. Anybody want to know that they'll be perfectly provided for, perfectly cared for, perfectly protected, secure for all of eternity? Is it just me who wants that? Because I go preach in the back room. Do, Do you know when God says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you know what he means? Exactly what he said. So whoever struggles, who, who here ever has too much month and not enough money? Who here ever gets worn down by relationships? Who here ever struggles to sleep at night because they're scared? Who here waits for the call from the doctor and says, ah, who who here doesn't feel approved or accepted by others and feels lonely and isolated and chases after a carrot that you can't catch? Who here wants financial security? Can I tell you there ain't no such thing? There's just security in Christ. Who here wants to to rest like a baby or rest like a man in a boat in the front of the boat during the storm. Do you know how? What are you so afraid about? God knows who you were. He knows everything you did. And despite that, Jesus took it all on himself and was crucified and circumcised a second time so you might live. I'm a stinking friend of God. Is that, I mean, does that, because if it doesn't blow your mind, let me remind you of how much you stink. Let me remind you, you take God's truth and you distort it. You take God's law and you hypocritically apply it to others, but not yourself. And Jesus came not for good, clean, morally righteous, straight people. He came for messed up, bent sinners. So he might straighten us into his image for his glory. And Jesus went out into, he came into a lost world of darkness. 
And do you know where he sends us, my friends? You see those glass things? One of these days, as, as finances permit, we're going to make a big sign. And it's going to say, you are now entering the mission field. It's filled with relativists. It's filled with moral hypocrites. And it's filled with spiritually dead people, just like you were, apart from Christ. And Jesus calls us out to proclaim good news to set the captives free. That he came to save truth deniers and truth suppressors and truth crushers. And what do you need to do to be saved? You got to be good, right? You, you got to keep his law just so or he's going to kick you out, right? What do you got to do to be saved? Trust in Christ alone for salvation. And he will circumcise this side, your heart. He will give you a new heart of flesh, not, a, a, not of stone. A heart, listen, if you're saved, you will increasingly desire to know and serve Christ for his glory. But it's not based on your power, it's based on what? His. And you don't just try harder. Listen, anyone here struggle with fear? All those who say no, you struggle with lying. So either way, we'll work this way. <laughs> Do you know the way to stop fearing? Trust better. And do you know how you trust better? You take that seed of faith that every regenerate soul has because God puts it there and you water it with the gospel day by day. You walk in obedience to God as he calls you to. You gather with the saints. Listen, the local church, it may be a pain in the neck to you. I happen to love it. But it is a means of grace God entrusts to his people so we might grow as he intends. And one of the things I love about this church is how God uses it to help me grow. And I hope uses me to help others grow. And he does it across the way because there are no such things as mature solo sheep in the kingdom of God. You know what you call a single sheep in a pack of wolves? Dinner. <laughs> but as we trust in his common means of grace, we grow in our understanding of the gospel, we grow in our faith, and we fear less and trust better. Don't just go out of here today and try better. Go out of here today and trust better. And I want you to trust in this fact that Jesus Christ was crucified so that you might not be separated from God if you'll trust in him. You must be perfect as I am perfect, says God. God doesn't say try your best. You must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, I don't know if you've known me more than about five minutes, you figured out I ain't perfect. Not on my own. But can I blow your minds with the truth? Do you know when God looks at me by grace through faith, do you know what he sees? A perfect son who is positionally perfect in God's eyes. He is pleased with me as a son. Practically speaking, I am becoming more perfect day by day as I trust in Christ. And one of the things God calls his kids to be about is to go out into the lost world. Remember I said you're Jews? Go out in the lost world. And you say, my daddy is adopting. Would you like to be part of the king's family? And there will be people who look at you and say, there is no king. We call them relativists. Speak truth to them and walk away if they won't listen. There are others who will say, I'm already a son of the king. Look at how I keep the law. Remember the rich young ruler? Speak truth to them. But here's a question where you can tell how well your security system works. You ready for this? What makes you worthy to spend eternity in heaven with God? That's a question you're all going to have to answer. What makes you worth? Listen, how secure is your house from fire and break-ins and missile attacks and, and troops of foreign soldiers coming to steal your kids? I don't know. My, I got two dogs and, and who knows what else. I can't tell you. 
I don't know, anybody wants to come in my house, you'll die on Legos and then dogs will bite you. How secure is it? It's irrelevant how secure your house is, but how secure is your eternal soul? What makes you worthy to spend eternity with God in heaven? Now, the quick answer for the maturing Christian is nothing. Because on our own, we're not worthy at all. Amen? Amen. But I'm not going to tell God nothing. What are you going to tell God? Yeah. You see, I can say, God, what makes me worthy of spending eternity with you in heaven is nothing on my own. You see, but I, I know that Jesus will be standing right there smiling at me. And I'll say, Father, on my own, you know better than I do. You made me. You got the microphone. I'm a messed up hot mess. I'm a relativist. I'm a moral hypocrite. And I see my Savior still smiling at me. And, and, and if God the Father had a face like we do, he'd be smiling too. But I see Jesus smiling at me. And I say, Father, I'm not worthy to come in on my own. But I'm worthy through him. I'm worthy through that man who is God, eternally incarnate. You know that? You will see the risen Christ, man, God, fully man, fully God. You will see if you've trusted, you're going to see him either way, but for you who trust in him by grace through faith. Father, I'm entering the gates of heaven on his credentials. And do you know what the Father will say? Enter into your eternal rest. Enter into the joy of your master. Heaven is going to be filled with people who were hot messes that had their hearts circumcised by grace through faith. I don't know. Is that good news? I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all who believe. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He lived a perfect life you couldn't. He died the death you deserved on the cross and it's not the physical pain that he suffered with. He suffered with separation from God. He was circumcised so that you might be circumcised of heart to never be separated from God for all of eternity. Truth is absolute. Hypocrisy doesn't wash in the kingdom of God, but Jesus came to cleanse us from all sin. Amen? Father God, we just praise you. We praise you for, for your holiness, for your justice, for your wrath. For the fact that, as we'll see in a few weeks, that you are both just and the justifier. Lord, help us understand who we are on our own. We're hypocrites. We're rationalists, relativists. But help us be men and women of truth, who trust in you, Lord Jesus, the way and the truth and the life. And rejoice in the fact that we were able to trust in you because you first loved us. And help us ponder the, the reality of the fact that we who were unlovely have been made lovely by you. Lord, it is just unfathomable, especially for us who marinate in a culture of self-esteem and self-worth, to understand the reality of depravity and separation and sin, and then the heights and the joys of being united with you in Christ. Father, the fact that you will never leave us nor forsake us. The fact that you will, you will forgive all people who trust in you no matter what they have done. Those who distort truth to try to work their way in by being good enough. Or the other side of the coin, the, 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 the cheap gracers who say, oh God forgives everybody. Lord, bring us to the center line of truth. You demand perfection. No one is righteous, no, not one but all who trust in Christ are made perfectly righteous. 
And then, Lord, you tell us to go out and be about your business in this world and equipping and caring for the saints and stewarding all that you've entrusted to us for your glory. And we say, well, God, see, I just can't do that right now because it won't work out so well. Huh. Forgive me, God. Forgive us, God, for calling you a liar. And help us to live reckless lives where if your word is not true, we will literally crash and burn. We, Paul tells us in Corinthians, are to be most pitied of all people if Christ has not been raised from the dead. But Lord Jesus, we know that you have risen. We know that you will return. And we know that you care for us perfectly as we await your return. Lord, help us to make much of you. Help us to trust in you. Help us to proclaim your excellencies into this lost world that you entered into so that you might so work through us for your glory and in your power to equip and encourage the saints and to draw lost people to yourself. Father, if there is anyone here today in our midst who does not yet know you or anyone listening to this during the week, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict them of sin and righteousness and judgment, that on their own merits they will face an eternity separated from you. But Lord, lift them from that, that depth, lift them, lift them from that pit, and help them understand, Lord Jesus, that you came to take their sin upon yourself, that they don't have to get their act together to be forgiven, that you forgive people, and in your power help us get our act together so that we might live the lives you were made us to. Lord, we just praise you for your clear word. We thank you, God, that you are a God who chose to speak, to give us your word, which is truth. Holy Spirit, that you sanctify us by your word, which is truth. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, for the glory of the Father, you would guide us in truth for your name's sake, which is why you saved us. Jesus, to you alone be glory and dominion and power forever and ever. Amen.